Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh. Oh. Just kidding. Now, just kidding. Recorded what? live. Well, that got recorded. That's okay. Everybody will appreciate that. <clears throat> Everybody knows I wouldn't touch any of that stuff willingly. So if it's real, it is true. And you put that together, that's what equals truth. And so when John chapter 8, let's go there real quickly, in John chapter 8, <clears throat> and we've read these verses before, but just to bring us up to speed, in chapter, uh, John chapter 8 and verse 32, and you will know the truth. See, the truth is what's real. We're caught up in a lot of stuff that's not real, particularly in religion. It's not real. You will know the truth, and what will the truth do? It will make you free. Those of you who know the truth to those people who know the truth, you will be set free. Look at verse 36. So if the Son makes you free, then that's real freedom. That you will be free indeed. Oh, he's got that up. Oh, he's good. Alex, thank you. I didn't know you, I, don't, I didn't know anything was working up there. So, <clears throat> why, why? Why is the truth about Jesus so vital? Because this is the truth. That's the heart of the gospel, the good news. And you take Jesus Christ out of that picture, and you have no good news. So, the Jesus Christ who is the heart of the gospel and the truth about him must be understood as he really was. That equals truth. And truth provides freedom. It is not only that, but it is the source to have a true understanding of who Jesus Christ was is the source of our hope of immortality. If our view of Jesus is flawed, so is our hope flawed. And also, is this truth important because it is an understanding of the truth about Jesus Christ that sets us fully free and what a life that is because that is expanding itself into all situations. Freedom as Jesus taught it was not external nor dependent. It is not dependent on where you live or in what form of government you have. That's not the freedom of what Jesus is speaking. 
And that's not to diminish the value of freedom that is national. But the freedom that is indeed of which our Lord spoke was internal to the individual based on a grasp and an acceptance of truth. So we are encouraging you in this series to have a hope that is secure, not secure by force, but through a hope that is pure. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 17. Hebrews chapter 6. Verse 17. In the same way, God desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise. Now remember that when Acts 2.38 talks about the promise, He's talking about the promise of sonship, of heirship. And you shall receive the promise. The promise is one of heirship. It's not a promise of some external person living within you. That concept came out of paganism. It's the heirs of the promise, the promise of sonship. That's the promise of Acts 2.38. To the heirs of the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. Now verse 19. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. When Jesus went into the heavenly realm, he took the anchor. It is anchored in him beyond the veil, inside the veil, the heavenly realm where God is. And when you have the hope that's fastened to that anchor, you have surety and steadfastness. You can count on it. And notice in verse 20, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, Folks, if we don't believe this, why would we believe any of it? He entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. By the way, and I might add this, that before we actually, before, biblically speaking, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, we should be acknowledging Christ as our high priest. The only way that you and I have to acknowledge him as high priest is by tithes and offerings. That's the premise of our salvation, is Jesus Christ. We honor him as high priest by how and when and how much we give. Well, I was waiting for the tomatoes. 
You got who's got two? He's got two. Okay, uh, save him because it's going to get worse. <clears throat> All right. So we have a hope, and that hope is premised upon our grasp and understanding of the truth about Jesus Christ. Because, folks, if that view of Jesus is uh, is flawed, so is our hope flawed. And that's why we've been taking so many weeks to clarify that what Jesus was before he came is different than who he was while he was here and then after he left where he is now and who he is now and what he's doing now. Those are three different, different aspects of Jesus that we have to have clear or we get them, if we get them confused, it's just kind of like unscrambling an egg. You've got a real mess on your hands. <clears throat> and most, de- most views of Jesus are, is just a scrambled hodgepodge of stuff, of information that doesn't correlate with anything. So the freedom of which our Lord Jesus spoke was internal to the individual based on that individual's grasp and acceptance of truth. So we are encouraging everyone through this series to have a hope based on a accurate, uh, an accurate and full knowledge of who Jesus was. And we need then to avoid, like the plague, a flawed anchor or a flawed hope. We have also discussed the accomplishments of Jesus as a man. And we don't have the chart, but if we had the chart, you'll remember that what, there are three time frames. We've been over them already this morning, but who he was and what he was before he came, what he was while he was here, and then when he went away. Three distinct time frames. We have to keep those in mind. We have discussed what he was like when he was here, and we have discussed the accomplishment of Jesus as a man, and he accomplished everything as a man that he came to do. He had to be a man to accomplish those things. There was nothing for him to accomplish that had to be accomplished or could be accomplished without him being as you and I are for a little while in the days of his flesh. Now, have you thought about what Jesus coming to mankind means to mankind? Think about that. Think, think about <clears throat> that Jesus did not come to save dogs and cats because had he come to save dog and cats, he would have had to become a who? A dog or a cat. I'm not talking about the destiny of dogs and cats. That's, that's beyond what the scriptures talk about, so I, I leave that alone. I have no opinion on that. But <clears throat> Jesus did not come to save dogs and cats. He could not come to them for a simple reason, that they are not identified as having been made in the image of God. as is man. So he brought to mankind a dignity when he came to be with us as one of us. He brings a dignity to mankind by his accepting that it is mankind which is made in the very image and likeness of God. He also establishes by his coming the purpose of creation as being for man 
as for solving the sin problem that began in heaven and that man becomes a participant in the solving of the sin problem caused between God and Satan prior to creation that gave reason for the creation. And then we have introduced some ideas about the enemy of mankind, the common enemy of mankind, is, is the acceptance of man's depravity. Because that's the thing that rules Jesus out as coming here as one of us, is because if he became as one of us, he too would be depraved. So the doctrine of depravity changes all of the theology ever since Augustine, which is all wrong from the Bible perspective. The common enemy of mankind is the acceptance of some issue or some level of man's depravity, that man has lost his capability and and, and ability to do what it is to understand God and to perform that action. So understanding Jesus as one of us puts that idea to rest about the depravity of man. Now, when we have that thinking about man, that man is depraved, then you see what happens from that point. There is the, the acceptance and the requirement of an outside force. You want to talk about what the issues of the world are, this is it. When you think of man as being depraved, which is the doctrine of every church in Coolidge, that's not a part of the restoration movement, When you accept that idea, with that kind of thinking about man, you must accept, you you must have an acceptance and the need for the requirement of an outside force or an outside exterior, external management to control mankind. You can't do it by yourself, so you've got to get somebody else involved. What that amounts to is that depravity is the escape from personal responsibility. The doctrine of depravity is the escape from personal responsibility and a flawed view of man's capability to respond to the truth. And the idea is that because of that, then one must have an external influence or control in their life. And that breeds in society the need for the state to have a control by force over its citizenship. And with those who believe it religiously that man is depraved, They have what they call in that position, instead of the state, they have substituted the doctrine of the state to the doctrine of what they think is the Holy Spirit. And it's the same corrupt thinking that has brought that about that is simply not true to the Scriptures. 
that one must have an external influence or control over life. Thus the need, if you're thinking of society, a huge, huge, and bigger and growing state or government. And with the religious who believe in the human depravity issue, then they have put into that the Holy Spirit issue and have made it the state or the government of human individual life. Both are equally wrong. The surrender of responsibility opens up one to all kinds of deception. Once one has accepted that view of the human depravity, they have ruled Jesus out as having come as man. And when you rule him out as having come and accomplishing everything that he set out to do as a man, you then have to have a creation of other doctrines that correspond to that. And that's the doctrine of how you view God, how you view Jesus, how you view the Holy Spirit. Everything is controlled by how you think about man. That's right, Alex. So I get a voice. I'm hearing voices behind. <laughs> I got to be careful about voices. <clears throat> but it opens up one, opens up uh, one to all kinds of deception. Once you have come to the point where you believe that you are incapable of understanding God and understanding and incapable of responding to Him and being obedient to the gospel, once you come to that point in life, folks, and you open yourself up to an external power to wait, to bring to you the direction and the influence, and you've lost control, you are open to all kinds of deception. And what a tool of the devil that is. But there are many who want to be controlled. To some point, they want to be controlled. And of one's own choosing, they want to choose who and what it is that controls them. So how will you decide? There is a desire to have a controlling influence that is in keeping with how we already think. So once you have accepted the doctrine of the depravity of man and you have a need of an external power or influence in your life, then you have to choose what kind of a power or controlling influence are you going to surrender to. And we usually in our minds conjure up something that will be in harmony with how we already think. Now that's convenient. So what responsibility are you wanting to give up? You have a responsibility that you feel that you, you, just, God, God, you just can't do it, you can't handle that. God has not made you, allowed you to be capable of responding to that responsibility. What responsibility is it that you want to give up? So you'll choose then an external control to take that aspect of your life over. As soon as you've surrendered that aspect of your life to this outside influence, you have nowhere to go but down. It is no virtue to surrender your will to an external force. Now we have some scriptures that we left over that we need to look at for further confirmation and to summarize where we've been. Let's go to John chapter 13. And I've told uh, Michael to raise your hand when it's five till. You've got to well, watch, don't you, Mike? Mike, uh, Because that clock is way off up there. <clears throat> Let's go to John chapter 16. I'm going to see if I can get through this today. may not make it. <clears throat> John 16, verse 1. 
John 16 and verse 28. Here we have what we've stated already twice this morning, but we're going to state it again. In John chapter 16, verses 28 to 31, I came forth from the Father. That's his origin. I have come into the world. That's his mission. I am leaving the world. That's his future to the time he's writing it, and going to the Father. So there are the three dimensions. Now notice, his disciples said, Lo, now you are speaking plainly, and we are not using a figure of speech. And, and you are not using a figure of speech. You see, when he explained those three time frames, the disciples caught on as to who he was. Now you go and ask all your religious neighbors, to explain the time frame. They won't have a clue what you're talking about because they're just as out of touch with the reality of Scripture as the disciples were to this point. Now you are speaking plainly. You've given us the time frame, verse 28, that's verse 29, and are not using a figure of speech. Now, notice verse 30. Sit down. I know you're all standing up. Now, we know that you know all things and have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe. By understanding this time frame that is stated in verse 28, now, by this we believe that you have come out of God. So until you understand the time frames, the three time frames of our chart, you have no idea. There's no basis for you to believe where Jesus came from. We believe that you came from God. By this we believe. By this statement of Jesus giving to them the time frame of verse 28. And Jesus said to them, do you now believe? Then he goes ahead and you're going to be tested. Verse 32, behold, an hour is coming and has already come for you to be scattered each to his own home and to leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you so that where? Where? In me, you may have peace. In the world, you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. That's the Jesus we are clarifying for your behalf so that your confidence in him will be so dynamic and so true to the scripture about who Jesus Christ was that you will have a sense and a confidence in your immortality that will grant you the freedom that sets you totally free, as Jesus said, free indeed. Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> verse 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. Now the faith, faith is based on evidence. Faith is not based on sight. We are saved by faith, not by sight. And there is no way to prove God. Visually. 
but we can accumulate evidence, and the accumulation of evidence provides to us a basis for faith. Faith is the accumulation of evidence adequate to cause us to believe. Five till already? You just went out early. Are you hungry, Mike? Okay, thank you, thank you. I asked him to do that. He says, shut up when I raise my hand. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So first of all, we have God. Jesus came in John chapter 1 to explain God. And if he is the explanation of God and we come to God through him, Folks, we must, we absolutely, it is required that we understand Jesus real, for real, in truth, so that our confidence in our immortality is solid. We've got to close. Next week, we're going to finish up with John chapter 17. We'll take time to do that when we get there. But for now, we're done for today. Any questions? No questions? All right. Anybody want to wake up now? Is it warm in here? It's very warm. And I'm glad we need to quit anyway. <clears throat> Let's just have a word of prayer. <clears throat> and then we'll sing our closing song. Uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Oh, he is Lord. That's right. He is Lord. Okay. Let's stand. And we'll close with a word of prayer. Thank you for your song today, Gail. I like that. Appreciate it. I love you doing that all the time. What was that? All right. Oh, was it? All right. Well, good for you. That Gail, she's something else. She does all that herself, you know. She records all that. All those were recordings of her. All right. Okay, well, you keep up the good work. It gives me a chance to breathe, too, before I get up and face the angry crowd. Father, we are thankful for a wonderful day. Thankful for those who have put forth the effort to be here today and to be participants in learning together so that we can have a right view of who Jesus is so that our belief in him will not be flawed so that our hope can be real. May we be committed to this all week until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.